Then we have the awkward slow wait of does it is it actually working? It does appear that it is. So I think we are live. Uh, welcome everybody to the Making Awesome podcast. This is season two, episode forty-two. So remember. Don't panic. We have the team from Champion X, more specifically Diamondback Nozzles here. Uh, gentlemen, give me the Backstreet Boys, the who you are, the where you're from, the what you did, and as long as you love me. <laughs> Harris, love why, why don't you go ahead and start first since you're directly next to me? Sure. Yeah, so as you said, my name is Harris Taylor. Uh, I've actually been working with U.S. Synthetic, the company that, that produces the Diamondback Nozzles. Uh, U.S. Synthetic is owned by Champion X. So I've been working for that company uh, for 14 years now. Um, I started in our automation group, producing the equipment that we use to, to process the diamond. Uh, from there, went on to one of our key accounts, uh, working with our customers, going out and visiting our customers, working with them. And from there, actually transitioned into uh, this project, working on Diamondback Nozzles. And uh, recognize the, the capabilities we had there, also the need that existed. And so, you know, kind of made those first prototypes and helped get this off the ground and get it going. Um, another question was where I'm, where I'm from. Uh, so I'm in Lehigh, Utah. So that's just south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Uh, all of us on the, on the call today are in, you know, it's just south of, of Salt Lake City. Um, our company's based out of Orem, Utah. So uh, that's, that's where we're from. And uh, I'll hand it off to Mark. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to be here. My name is Mark Modrzewski. I've been with U.S. Synthetic for, well, Champion X. Champion X has only existed for two years, so it's, it's <laughs> tough for us to say, hey, we're, we're from Champion X. Uh, we've been with U.S. Synthetic. U.S. Synthetic was started 40 years ago, and most of us have been here for, for quite a while. I've been here for about 15 years. Um, Harris is, is really modest because he, he is a little bit of the brains behind the, the Diamondback nozzles. Um, our 3D printing lab was, we, we, we do a lot of fixturing in our 3D printing lab and, and we kept running through nozzles. And so we're like, we're a diamond manufacturer. Why don't we, why don't we start making diamond nozzles? So he was, he was instrumental in that. But I've been with the company about 15 years. I work in the business development group. Um, love, love the company. We could talk all day and we probably will about diamond, but I mostly love the people I work with. It's a great culture. Uh, it's what's kept me there. And uh, just just really enjoy it. Even I mean, any place that you can have a, a guy that prints his own sign for his 3D printing uh, lab there. Uh, is that a printed the... sign? <laughs> that, that one is not a printed. Okay, sign. I was gonna say it looks very much not printed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that that one that one he had made. Although the trade shows we've been to, Rod's our man. Man, he he goes and makes the signs for us, lights them up. It's he he'll print them. It's it's been awesome. But uh, happy to be here, Grant, and happy to get to know you. We're we're just new and getting to know you, and it's it's been fun to to learn about this industry. We've really only been um, actively involved in in uh, commercializing the Diamondback nozzle for what, guys, eight months? Yeah, <laughs> maybe a little more with the Kickstarter. But, yeah, this is yeah. an actual Kickstarter success story for those that don't know, and I've. I've absolutely shit on Kickstarter multiple times and told people you it is not a pre-order. It is not a pre-order. It is not a pre-order. And for those that have banned me from the Facebook groups for 3D scanning, that's for you guys. Because realistically, you're wrong. It's not a pre-order. Read the damn terms of service. But in the case of the Diamondback Nozzle, you guys 
I, I know the story. We're going to get into it. I, 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 I want to let Rod introduce himself. Yeah. But so yeah. all the, the, the story was really cool the way that Mark explained it to me. But Rod, go ahead. I don't want to get too far into yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so my name is Rod Guerrero. Thanks for having me. Um, I am the 3D print manager at US Synthetic. Uh, I have been in the company for over 10 years. Uh, I started in, actually in, in research and development and then moved into testing and then now I'm actually, uh, you know, helping out with Diamondback Nozzles as a student engineer, currently going to uh, UVU for school for mechanical engineering. Uh, should be graduating here soon, shortly. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get there. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. How many printers do you have? What are they? Uh, so, right now, so right now we have three Race 3D printers, the E2s. Uh, we have uh, three of the, um, the, so sorry, we have two Ultimakers. So one Ultimaker S, S5 and the Ultimaker uh, 3 Extended. Uh -huh. uh, we also have a Polyjet Object Printer. Uh, and then we have two form labs and then uh, two maker bots. Okay. So you, you got a good mix of them. Um, the, the Polyjets are... A love-hate relationship for me. I don't know how they are for you. We have an Object oh. 30 Alaris that is very much a love-hate relationship. Okay. No, I feel you. You know, like, it, it takes a lot of maintenance for them. Um, takes a lot of work to get them up and going. And it, it, it's a constant maintenance. But they do come out with amazing parts. They really so. do. <laughs> that, is, that is the benefit. Okay. So let's then kind of talk about how this all got started. So from my perspective, a buddy said, Hey, have you ever seen this nozzle? And he sends me a link to your Amazon page. I said, no, I've never heard of it. And about 10 minutes later, he says, well, tomorrow you're going to test it for me. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, one showing up to your house tomorrow morning. So toss it in a printer. I want, I want a video of the unboxing and I want a video of it testing. It's just a good friend of mine who happens to work for a really interesting company uh, that we will not discuss here on the podcast. But um, he said, yeah, just test it out. I want to run it on some of our printers here. Let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, it kind of blew my mind. I had seen some videos from other creators. Uh, the 3D Print General probably has one of the better ones because he got the uh, the kit with the Ruby slab and the PCD slab. Um, I just grabbed random crap that I had laying around to scratch with a diamond. So I grabbed an Ender 3 build plate to scratch it because then nothing of value was lost. I, I have, I definitely don't have a hate for Creality here. Um, I grabbed a mug and a bunch of other things just to try to scratch it. And uh, those that are part of our Patreon, of course, patreon.com slash 3D Musketeers, I will never not take a chance to do a call to action when given. Uh, we're able to actually watch the entire ASMR of me scratching, <laughs> me scratching stuff with the diamond nozzle. Um, and the fact that all of the pictures that people saw in that video, all the macro photos were done after the test is what surprised the hell out of me. There was no damage done to the nozzle. Cause like, don't, I, I did, I was not a believer. I was not a believer. I thought this was absolute malarkey. And then I tried it. And now I'm a believer. Um, quite literally, it's one of, it, it's on the printer behind me that's running uh, white filament, it's white PLA, but it's running white PLA is design white. People know that I hate white PLA. It is design white. It's not pure white. Um, that is running at 175 degrees centigrade at 100 millimeters a second, which is insane. Uh, and that alone proved to me that whatever you guys have put 
in this special sauce that is this nozzle is pretty insane. So can we talk about how this came about and how the nozzle itself became a thing? Because you guys have experience with PCD, which is polycrystalline diamond. You have experienced this idea of making a nozzle out of it come up. Well, I'll, I'll take the, well, go ahead, Harris. Do you want to take the first crack? You want me to? Sure. I mean, I was just say Mark kind of alluded to it at the beginning, right? We had our internal print shop here uh, running, running printers, and we were going through nozzles. Uh, in particular, for our abrasive filament, we were running a ruby tip nozzle, and those are pretty delicate. We, they, yeah. Many of them will break and fracture. And then, like Mark said, is you know the, the, the individuals in the print shop are like, hey, why don't we why don't we use the diamond? Obviously, it's going to be a harder, hard, so wear resistance, but also the thermal properties and thermal characteristics of, of the diamond were a perfect fit for the application. As you just mentioned, the special sauce, right? That thermal conductivity uh, of diamond, it just, it, it outshines even copper or silver in its ability to, oh, yeah, thermal conductivity. and so, it, so that, those were kind of the initial ideas. And then I, on the side, I run a, my own uh, 3D printing business, a 3D printing service business. And I found myself, uh, you know, wanting to change out nozzles to steel nozzle uh, for running abrasive filaments. Now, my particular printer, just the setup, it would take a good half hour to make that changeover. And so it was a pain point for me. It's like, I don't want to spend my time doing that. And I was like, why don't I make a nozzle out of diamond? Because I was, as I mentioned, working for the company for over 14 years. Several of us came together, had the same idea around the same time. Even Rod, you know, Rod had this idea and submitted, submitted, you know, an invention disclosure of the same type of nozzle. Um, with, with the experience that I had at US Synthetic working with, as I said, working as a product manager for one of our customers, I knew our, I knew our internal capabilities to, to process the diamond and get it into the proper form that would be required for, for a nozzle. And so I just started you know, running that, that process and shaping that diamond and getting that first initial prototype. And when, when we had it and ran it and saw saw the results, that was kind of the inception of it, the start of it. And we're like, hey, we, we got something here. Let's let's keep going and, and keep developing it. And um, I don't know, that, that, that's kind of my version of it. Mark, you have anything to add? No, I, I think I think that's pretty close. I mean, to to Grant's point, we've we've been making diamond for almost 44 years. We've done a lot of different things with diamond. And a lot of people, you know, Champion X does a lot of stuff in the in the energy industry, um, the oil and gas industry. Right. But we've always been kind of diamond guys, right? We we've we felt like diamond was an underutilized engineering material and we found ways to put it to work, if you will. So one of those ways is in drilling applications. And we've done that successfully for a number of years. Another uh, interesting uh, application is in renewable energy. It, it's actually a really good uh, material for, for diamond bearings that can be used in underwater. They're called hydrokinetic, uh, marine hydrokinetic systems. It's basically windmills in the water to generate energy in, in places off the grid. And, and so we've always kind of been a company that's willing to, to look outside the box and look at new things. And, I do think Harris touched on it that really the impetus of, of the nozzles was our own lab, right? When our own labs come in and saying, hey, we make diamond. Why don't, why don't we make a tip that I don't have to change out? And so that, I think that was kind of the, what got the wheels going and, and we, we did it. And I don't know, Rod, do we, do we use anything else now in your... You're, you're the guy. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, obviously all the printers that we have, we print a lot of carbon fiber, um, 
I mean, go we go through a ton of carbon fiber, and I got just sick of switching nozzles out. And yeah, anything that can can be used with this, with our nozzles, it has it. So yeah. all of our yeah. do have it. So yeah, and I, I think that's that's partly because I mean, when you're in a, di in a diamond manufacturing facility, we have we have about 800 employees at our facility, and we're making diamond, you know, every day uh, around the clock um, for different applications. Right? Uh, we needed fixturing you know, cube, cube assembly stuff. I don't, I don't know all of the fixturing that we would do, but we needed fixturing that would kind of hold up, right? <laughs> you're, you're dealing with a kind of an aggressive material. Literally one of the most abrasive materials on the planet, if not the most exactly. abrasive. Um, Your jigs uh, are able to handle it. Exactly. PLA is nice, but when you're dealing with diamond, it's, it's, it's not so nice. But anyway, it's, it's been great. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we really... We the culture at U.S. Synthetic is why or, uh, on the Diamondback Nozzles team. We're actually a small kind of skunk works team. Um, we we were kind of given a given a little bit of uh, a guardrails and hey, just go out, go go try, go try some things, go see what you can do. And so we we really went into it in an investigative mode. Even even when we launched our Kickstarter grant that you mentioned, it it really it wasn't one of those things that we were preloading stuff. It was one of those things where like. Look, we've we've dealt with business to business customers for years, and we know how to do that. You know, big. Yeah, it's you know, way different. <laughs> it's way different, and we didn't know. And so we're like, okay, so why don't we go to a place that we can listen and learn? Um, you know, part of part of kind of the engineering style that we have at US Synthetic is uh, patterned after the Toyota production method. So it's just in time. It's very much. And they have a term called going to Gemba or going to you know going to the place where work is, is being done and learning. And so that, that's what we used Kickstarter for. We're like, look, we're, we're going to deliver these nozzles, but we're going to go see what people say about them. Yeah. For us, the, the dollars, the, the conversations were probably more important than the dollars uh, that came through the Kickstarter. Because then we could hear what people were saying. And we had some ideas our, for our, from our own perspective of what, what the value was. But we wanted to prove that out, just like we're doing with you, right? We wanted to say, okay, well, we think this, this, and this. Do you see that? And and if if the answer was no, then we would we would have probably gone down another path. But uh, that that's my two cents. And I can say, <clears throat> I am not being paid. I, I have you know, so I have to obviously do my full disclosure here. I have received a care package that includes this wonderful Callahan Auto Parts shirt for those that haven't watched the. Uh, the videos where I went through this nozzle, I made Tommy Boy references specifically around where Zelinsky is asking them why they don't have a warranty on the box because it makes the customer feel all warm and fuzzy inside because their biggest competitor is E3D and they make the nozzle X, which is very clearly upfront guaranteed for life. And in my interview with Sanjay, they have never had one come in ever now those of us that have used hardened steel know there are some challenges to it i will say similar challenges with diamond it's just in the reverse it's not adding 20 degrees it's subtracting 20 degrees kind of dealing with the extra oozing um but they did also send me and i have it here this lovely u.s synthetic uh leather box in it laser engraved it's gonna be hard to pick up on camera but laser engraved diamondback logo on some foam as well as the two remaining Diamondback nozzles that I did not have to complete off this set of the 0.4, the 0.6, and the 
But to me, the funniest thing in there was a copy of the limited lifetime warranty. <laughs> Something that, I, admittedly, I didn't spend more than maybe 10 minutes trying to find it on the website that I couldn't find. And so the joke is quite literally perfect because it is exactly the way that Tommy Boy says it. If you want me to take a dump in a box and write guaranteed on it, I will. I've got time. And it's literally, it's, it, and I wish I was recording myself when I opened this because I, I was just, I was one speechless, which anyone that has watched the channel long enough knows is very uncommon. Uh, and then two was just cracking up. Because it came folded so that there's a logo on the bottom of the shirt. It, it's, it's got their, uh, their their Diamondback logo. That was how it was folded to me. So I'm like, oh, okay. It's a Diamondback shirt, right? I'm just, Okay, no big deal. I don't need to record this. It's, it's, it, it's a shirt. It's fine. I'll wear it eventually. And then I unfolded it, and it was a Callahan auto shirt, and I lost it. It was <laughs> – Amber was home at the time, the better three quarters. And she's like, are you okay? I said, yeah, no, this is way funnier. She saw it, she said, oh my God, they actually did watch the video. Yeah, they did. They actually watched the video. Um, so thank you guys for that. I do appreciate it. And I, and I do want to say this is this is a part made in carbon fiber PETG from a Prusa Mark 3S running a Diamondback nozzle, carbon fiber PETG at 220C as well. And um, I've got sample parts from Mark Forge. I'm going to send you guys some photos afterwards. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, you're dead on. You're dead on with the quality of a Mark Forge printer. And I think I figured out why. The nozzles are so freaking flat, right? Right where the tip is, right? Even on hardened nozzles over time, that kind of wears a little bit. That flatness gives you an ironing effect effectively. And it I've never seen carbon fiber parts printed that nicely since I ran Mark Forge machines. So kudos to you guys. You, you definitely got you definitely got that part of it right. But a question that I've always had is, how the actual hell is this stuff made? <laughs> we, that's that's all. Well, first off, Grant, we're so happy that you 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 enjoyed the shirt. We were a little nervous. We're like, you know what? I hope you enjoyed this because we we were laughing on the other side. Just so you know, we was a group. We were laughing when the Tommy Boy reference was was outstanding and. Uh, and there was a discussion be... <laughs> of whether or not we were going to cut that. And I told my editor, under no circumstances are we allowed to cut Tommy Boy references. Those are no, always no, absolutely. Required. He's and never we, seen the movie. And I told him that is your next challenge. You must watch the movie. It's beautiful. That's right. So in, in, in our books, anything that's Tommy Boy or Caddyshack stays in a video, right? Yeah. But no, we we and, and we, we can maybe show you some stuff on how we, we make the diamond. But I'd love to t even talk to you a little bit about... Um, the flatness of the diamond. Sure. We've not only flat, there. Not only is it flat, but Harris, do you want to talk a little bit about like the the polishing and what that means from an ironing standpoint? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you if you look at the tip of the nozzle, it's a mirror mirror fit mirror polish yeah, finish there. It's, it's, super, it's super flat, super smooth. And diamond, one of the properties of it is a low coefficient of friction. As mm -hmm. uh, as Mark previously mentioned, we make bearings where we put diamond on diamond. To make a bearing surface because of that low coefficient of friction and so that all of these things kind of couple together as you just mentioned producing great surface finishes great layers as that as that plastic's extruded because what's happening is that surface is dragging over the top of the of the plastic and um you know that was intentional purposeful in, in the design of, of adding that that polished tip 
to be able to achieve those type of results. It was unexpected, right? (laughs) A lot of nozzles have the flat tips, but they're machined. I think you guys are using a surface grinder to get them this flat because I don't know of any other processes that will get it as functionally flat as it is. And yes, it is a mirror finish because I remember I had moved the, the, the cat bed is like where I do a lot of the the, the, the tight shots. This is the, the stand in for Victoria, our, our director of marketing. When she's not around, she needs a stunt double. Um, and I set it up on a build plate on a Prusa build plate. So I would have something that's non-reflective. And I had so many issues with lighting because it kept reflecting off on the tip of the damn nozzle. And for those that don't know, like they've taken such attention to detail, the nozzle diameter as well as the logo are in the tip of the nozzle too. Like they're on the sides of the nozzle, which is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Easter eggs everywhere. It's like that that little flex. You didn't need to do it, but you're like, but we can. Well, see, and, the, and, and these guys know this. I mean, Rod and, and Harris will know this. There's a guy that works with us. His name's Jarrett Meyer. And all we have to do in a meeting is say, Jarrett, I just don't think we can do this. And it's literally like, right, the, the, the following week, we got, we've got Easter eggs coming out our ears. He is awesome. He's, our, he's kind of our diamond shaping The reverse specialist. psychology guy. Uh, no, but he's, he's, he's awesome. He really is. He's, in fact, we'll have to have him on one of these times. But um, we'd love to show you how if I've shared with you a little bit of a, a video that yeah. we can walk you through if you're okay with that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. Pull this up, and we'll we'll talk through it as we as we share. Basically, what we do is we take diamond powder. These are diamond crystals, man-made diamond crystals, and we put them into can assemblies. Now, the diamond powder is much the same consistency as as flour. It's it's really really small. Um, you put it in what's called a heater assembly. This heater assembly is is basically a cube structure that goes into a, what's called a cubic press. This press is about nine feet tall and about 40 tons. Jesus. <laughs> so then you run um, pressure on these anvils that come together, these six-sided, an- this six-sided um, system where these anvils come together and you run about 1300 degrees C temperature through a heater, through this heater assembly and you put pressure about a million pounds a square inch. What you're, frankly, what you're doing is you're replicating how diamond is naturally formed in the earth and you're doing it in about 10 minutes. Right. So under, under those conditions, the diamond crystals, you actually put a, a tungsten carbide slug in with the diamond crystals for one thing and that's to pull the cobalt, it, cobalt sweeps through the diamonds as the diamonds form diamond to diamond bonds. So that's why our, our tip is black. You've got cobalt in, in there as well as a, as a it's, it's a centering pop process. It's, right. it's called centering. Um, but that's kind of the, the how-to of how it's done. Um, we, we, we attach it to a lot of, a lot of our, uh, the applications that use our, our products. Diamond is a really difficult material to work with. You can't weld it. You can't, uh, it's difficult to attach. So you have to do things to attach it to. So yeah. that's one of the, the reasons we attach it to tungsten carbide in that process is that it's easier to, to braise or, or press fit or do, do different attachment methods. Now, do you want to go over? We got a few a few comments uh, already. We got AJ Royal saying, when I saw the specs of this nozzle, thermals, friction coefficient, etc., I thought it was another one of those too good to be true products. Same. I thought exactly the same. 
But after checking into the company and seeing the history with Diamond and especially in the oil and gas fields, I was convinced. If something holds up in those fields, it'll hold up anywhere. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, oil and gas, kind of a tough industry. And it's yeah. there's a lot of money in it, obviously, if you've been to a gas pump lately. Um, but it is, it's also something that requires stuff to never break. And if it does break, you better have at least two or three replacements on hand at any time. Because downtime is measured in seconds. And seconds equal dollars. And you don't want to lose seconds. Um, we've got... Uh, Kasap Mandinga is asking if it's radioactive. I don't make the, the names for these people, but he's asking if it's radioactive. <laughs> Not that we're aware of. <laughs> okay. Because cobalt is sometimes naturally lightly radioactive. Yeah. Um, I, I guess we can... I might have to go grab a Geiger counter and find out one day. I'm, 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 now I'm curious. It might yeah, not be but, dangerously radioactive. Yeah, but. the the amount of cobalt is 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 very very small. In fact, what happens is the diamond crystals just in the in the crevices, and we actually have technology to to remove uh, the cobalt. We can we can leach the cobalt out of the the diamond. Uh, as, as well. And, and I, I shouldn't say the diamond, it, it's a polycrystalline diamond, right? It's mm -hmm. multiple diamonds that are, that have been bonded together, but the, the, the trace amounts of cobalt are, are relatively small. My brother, uh, he's Tarzman013 in the comments. He's asking what PPE requirements are needed to handle that diamond powder. Th th that's just a curious question. I'm sure it's quite a bit because I can't imagine breathing in diamond is all that good for you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we don't have, we have PP that we're that within the facility when you're doing certain things that would require that. Um, yeah. So it, it's part of the manufacturing process. We have some, um, I don't know what's guys, what are the, uh, is it like our sandblasting? And when we're, when we're working in that, we, we actually have papper systems that. I figured it was like a papper system. Yeah. Yeah. That we, blasting there, there's a ventilator with the papper. Uh, yeah, you know, everybody's got their nitrile gloves on. Yeah, you know, it, and we have gone through OSHA requirements on all all oh, of that yeah. stuff, so we're we're pretty comfortable with with keeping people safe. And that, that, frankly, that is that is one of the the key factors. We 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 want everybody to go home to their families. They they didn't they didn't come to work to to get hurt there. They we want them to be back with their families. And and I I I like that. Right, a lot of companies take safety as a secondary concern rather than something that is, you know, always at the forefront of what they're doing. So to me, safety is something that you don't mess around with, especially with 3D printers, specifically resin 3D printers. Obviously, resin is toxic. That's a recurring bit on the channel. There's normally a thing that comes up here. I can't do it on a live stream, but whatever, because um, that that liquid polymer resin is quite toxic and will uh, have problems with your skin over time. Um, and no, Ben, ben oh, Brady is actually asking the exact next question I was going to roll into. And it is the big question. How the actual hell is that diamond tip held into the brass nozzle housing? Because everybody knows it's not a common thing, but a few people have had it and they've been very vocal about it. That the ruby nozzle, the Olsen ruby, if you over tighten it, the ruby pops off. Now, again, that is warranted. Olsen will, Olsen will replace it. But, you know, follow the directions. I torqued the crap out of this trying to see if that would happen. It doesn't. So how is it held in? 
Yeah. And, and we can tell you a little bit. We'll, we'll go into a, a, maybe a broader picture because we can't go into exact every detail. Yeah. Um, just because yeah. there's some there's some there's some trade secret kind of stuff there. But no problem. We've been working with Diamond, like I say, for 44 years and we've learned how to attach it to a number of things. So centering is one of those ways. Right. Diamond centering is actually a mechanical way to attach it to tungsten carbide. Um, we've we've done press fitting. We've done brazing, high temperature brazing. Uh, we've done swaging. And within all of that, uh, we're, we're using our experience to, to attach it there. We, we don't anticipate you're going to uh, be able to, to bust it off like you would the ruby. There's no, there, the, the sleeving that maybe you would see in a, in a ruby nozzle, the, the sleeving of material you won't get with, with ours the same. Right. Um, so with, so, with this design, the, the cross-sectional area has not been reduced. And so, you know, what a typical standard brass nozzle, the torque you can apply to that, the same you could apply to this yeah. nozzle. Because yeah. the body, the, the housing is is brass. Yeah. And I, I'd like to add too, like we've done some tests to, uh, you know, we're, we're compressed in the Ruby nozzle to see how much pounds, how much pound we can apply to the nozzle. And it was very, very low, right? And, and then that Ruby just comes off. With our nozzle, we were getting like a thousand pounds of pressure on that tip. And it was not budgeting. Yeah. So and, and in full disclosure there, it, it, it's probably not low to the, to the folks that make the Ruby. Now it's just low to our standard at us synthetic, right? We're, we're used to kind of pushing that diamond to, yeah. to the, its limit. So we kind of know the operating envelopes of where we can go with yeah. it. I will say I've used Olsen rubies. I think they're phenomenal nozzles. I think so they're we. well worth the price. Um, you know, and especially before there were other options it was kind of the only player outside of hardened steel nozzles. But even over time, especially if you're trying to go high temp, the Olsen Ruby to me, uh, it, it takes its, it takes its wins at high temp above yeah. 300 C you start annealing hardened steel. So it stops being so hard anymore. So when you want to do something like a carbon fiber filled Ultem, you know, because you hate yourself, apparently, you need you have to use a ruby nozzle because nothing else out there will last you will literally turn a hardened steel nozzle into a regular steel nozzle over the course of a few different prints and you guys recently did a video about six or seven months ago i'm going to put it in the chat for all of our viewers uh where you took a a grinding wheel <laughs> to nozzles and i'm pissed because i didn't see that video until after we did both of our videos on it because yeah, uh, you were not kind to yeah. any of the processes, even your own. And yeah, I, I've, I've got it if you want to see it. <laughs> if, you oh, want you, to it if you want to put it up. Uh, before we do that, we do have one other question from Kasap. He's asking, any plans to create a diamond line thermal break? What would we say, guys? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. We're, 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 we're just getting started here, right? This, I mean, like, like Mark said, it's only been a few months we've been commercial. Uh, we're going to continue to innovate, continue to, I mean, there's other wear points within on the 3D printer where we know Diamond will excel. Uh, so I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say we got immediate plans, but we will Other wear points. I know what some of those might be. No, seriously. <laughs> We, we love that. And I, I will say this in listening to customer feedback, uh, we, we and Grant, you and I have talked a little bit about this. Like our next step is is maybe looking at a volcano compatible um, nozzle. We, we've heard a lot of um, interest in that. in that. 
And, and we're, we're headed that direction. In fact, probably sooner than later, you're going to start to see Diamondback Volcano compatibles. But I, we're just getting started. We just, we, we'd love to talk about every opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, I, Kessap said the exact thing I was thinking, the extruder gears, right? Um, at, I have a Lulzbot TAS 6. It, it, it sits up above me. Um, and I've had that printer for six or seven years. I was like within the first 50 that were ever ordered from Lulzbot. And I have replaced the feed gears on that thing like four or five different times. Because even with normal materials, regular steel, which is what they're made out of, wear down very, very quickly. But the other printer that's up there, which is my Fusion 3F410, runs a volcano setup. And I would love to put a diamond nozzle on that. Although that's got its own issues with a meter long Bowden tube. Because I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to eventually probably convert that to a Prusa setup where it's using a Prusa extruder um, and, and all that stuff. But yeah, let's, let's see that video real quick. If you got it handy. Awesome. You bet. And, and I, I, as we are playing this video, I will say this, um, Grant, we, we completely agree with you that, the, you know, Ruby tungsten, hardened steel, all great nozzles. We, we, we think that's awesome. And I think it's showing where the industry is going, right. Yeah. Uh, dealing with more difficult stuff. We think it's, you know, they're all an improvement over a brass nozzle and brass got us going. So we're about to show you what we did in the shop. And this was just for fun. We weren't trying to, there, there, was, there was no point in this. There's no, we weren't running filament. This isn't a, a standard wear test, but this is us having fun in the shop. So I'll, I'll just, oh, that's the wrong one. Let me, uh, let me pull it up. Sorry. You're fine. All right. The, when I saw the video, I said, damn, <laughs> damn was the only thing that I could get that I could muster <laughs> because it, it really, it really did blow my mind of how strong this is because I'm not used to diamonds looking like this. And my expectation was that it was diamond lined, that maybe you would have had a material that you could stick diamond to on the outside. But, that's that's yeah. what a lot of people ask. They say, is it just a coating? Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not, that's not the case. That, the black tip, that portion is, is solid diamond. So there's no coating that's going to, to wear off. As, yeah. as you're, and, I, and I'll talk. I don't know if you can hear the, yeah, the sound, or maybe I'll turn that down. But full disclosure, the, so the, the wear test specific to brass, all of them are running at twice the speed, just so you could, you, okay. you have an idea. Yeah, brass nozzle's gone instantly. Hardened steel puts up a bit of a, a better fight, but it looks cooler doing it, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> this one we wanted to describe the nozzle. You can figure out what we were doing, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Polyphobic coatings, yeah. The tungsten one was the one that interested me the most because that that came very, very close to surviving quite a bit. And I have some tungsten nozzles, hilariously. Yeah, and they're absolutely good. I, I, and it took a little longer, right? Yep. Full disclosure that the ruby popped out there. Yep. And then this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and other than where the person grabbed the, the brass a little bit, the, the damn thing is basically... Uh, unharmed whatsoever and that is what blows my mind the most okay so your uh, viewers need to know grant that what you told us was 
you should have taken it off of there and printed it. Then I would have been really impressed. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would have loved to see that nozzle with that damage to it because it's gonna that's gonna be tough to replicate in a printer running again. Um, yeah. But like I I think we discussed how uh, Stefan of CNC Kitchen he routinely will uh, cut a nozzle in half. He did it on the Revo. He's done it on the Obsidians. He's done it on a few others to show what the interior structure looks like. And that to me is what I'm most interested in because again, it is dealing with how long can I expect this to last? Because well, the carrier is brass. And as we all know, brass, a little soft, a little squishy. Um, and I'm, I've always been curious and when you told me, I said, we got, we got to save the answer for the podcast is over time, since I am printing abrasives, there is brass in this nozzle. Aren't I going to wear out the brass parts of the nozzle first before I wear out the diamond? And what does that look like? Yeah. Great question. Uh, really good question. And, and one we've, we've heard from even those on Kickstarter and some of our customers. So we ran some wear tests, um, and full disclosure, we did not cut it open to see if there was wear in, in, the, in the body. But we ran, I think it was, what was it, Rod? Five kilograms of carbon fiber. Um, through, yeah. We were running, we, we ran it through a brass. We, we only made one kilogram through a brass nozzle. Right. And then yeah. we were pretty well done. And then we, we compared it with some of the others. And, and all of them got to that five kilogram endpoint. But then we measured wear, right? And ours showed no measurable wear at the tip, um, tip height or orifice, and none, zero. So yes, we think it probably will. One of the things you need to understand, and Harris, you probably can talk to this better than I can, the, the dimensional, uh, how, how we've built the tip as far as this, the tapered center bore to handle more of the reduction of the material is all in diamond. So the work, the workplace of where that reduction happens is in diamond. Is there more that you want to add to that, Harris? You, you were the genius behind that one. Uh, and like, yeah, like you mentioned, all the reduction is within the diamond. That doesn't mean there'll be no wear in the brass. There's, there's going to be wear. If I said there'll be no wear, then obviously I'd be lying. Right. But, but where, I mean, if you think about the volume of the material flowing and then the velocity, so that velocity increases substantially as you start to reduce. And so out of the very tip, and that's why the very tip being diamond, I mean, it's going to prolong the life of, of the nozzle. And then there's dragging across. So you get height wear as well as orifice wear. All of that's going to be protected by the diamond. Uh, at this point, we've never had any nozzle return to us for a wear, wear issue or wear concerns. Um, eventually, yeah, there'll be some wear on the brass. And like I said, we're, we're here. We want feedback. We're going to continue to innovate, continue to, to push out better, better product, better technology. You know, a high temp version uh, is on the docket, a high temp version that's got maybe, you know, better wear properties in that base material than brass. And uh, so, I mean, really this was, let, let's get, let's work fast. Let's get it out there. The other reason for brass is so there could be a drop-in replacement, right? They were not, you don't have to like super, super change your, uh, your parameters and printing parameters to right. accommodate it. And so where the, the main portion of the main housing is, is brass, it would it could be a drop-in and just start printing with it without changing much. Um, the, other, the, other, the other key point of that too is uh, just uh, manufacturability. Be able to produce and keep it at a price point where we could offer it to the consumer level. We start doing some exotic materials, manufacturing costs go, go up. Um, so that, there was thought and purpose put behind you know, why brass, 
Uh, but we're not going to stop there. We'll, we'll keep innovating and keep improving from there. And that's good. That, that's what I like to hear. And, you know, I, I will say there are quite a few comments on both of the videos about the cost. And it's something that, you know, a lot of people can't get past. But if you are putting a nozzle on a printer that is half the cost of the printer, okay, one, why? Unless, you know, you have access to them for very, very little money. Why would you put a $100 nozzle on a $200 printer? But two, your $200 3D printer is not even having an all-metal hot end. So uh, you're literally throwing away the nozzle because you're not going to get the value out of it that you would get. Now, that's not to say don't buy it. If you want to buy it, go spend your money. Go ahead. But the value is going to be found on machines that are well-defined in how they operate, that they're running all-metal hot ends, preferably a V6 or something at least with an M6 thread. Um, I want to try it on like a Mosquito or a Mosquito Magnum from uh, Slice Engineering Course former guest, uh, Dan uh, over at Slice. And then I also want to try another former podcast. It's funny how I find all these companies that I like to talk to. Um, Virtual Foundry. They make metal filament. And traditionally, even hardened steel nozzles get damaged pretty quickly with uh, metal bear metal bared filament because those metal particles do beat up other metals, right? And they have a tungsten filament. And I want to try it. <laughs> yeah, we've actually uh, tested. We've actually tested with one of their, their filaments, the copper filled one, uh, yeah. just to try it out. And you know, like, obviously, it's copper. It's a little softer. But... Yeah, you, you could run that. Basic. You could actually run that through a brass nozzle and be okay technically. Yeah, yeah. We're still doing a lot of testing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of lists that we're we're trying to get through, just to see if it's going to wear out, right? Hey, you know what? When you have access to make the nozzles in house, it's always fun to play the R and D game. Um, That's right. <laughs> ben E. Brady is asking, "What is the feasibility of a complete and full PCD nozzle?" Oh, that's a great question. Really, a great question. <laughs> we we would love that. We we would love that. So one of the challenges that you'll have with with Diamond is is the challenge you really already touched on, Grant. Right, the price. It yep. goes up. The more diamond you have on anything, um, the price is going to go up. Just, just that's where the cost structure is for us, because mm-hmm. um, it's really difficult to to machine diamond. Um, I can right? imagine. It's, yeah, we it, it, honestly we we have a we kind of tell a story that it's kind of like being given a two by four and say, okay, go make a table. Uh, with a two by four is the only material you're going to have to be able to, you know, saw through the, the table. You can do it, just going to take a long, long time to do it. So uh, there's there's a lot of engineering that goes into it. We want to do that, are interested in doing that. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, early, early on, we, we want to get certainly the, the thermal conductivity benefits of an all diamond nozzle would be through the roof. It would be amazing. Yeah, it's already pretty thermally conductive as it is. It it, it really is. It surprised the hell out of me. Um, it it, it still blows my like. I have a little note on the printer that says "Diamond, do not run stock temperatures," because <laughs> it will fail, and you're gonna have a lot of problems. Um, but I do love the fact that I could run something like um, it, it's not poly. There's a filament from 3DX Tech that is. You want to print it between 305 and 315. 
Well, if I can right go twenty C colder right than right that. outside your capability of your your uh-huh. proof system. And yes, you can take printers higher than that, but generally they need chambers, um, which definitely not working on a solution for that. Uh, <laughs> you know, and there are there are a lot of solutions like the Wham Bam Hot Box that are just off the shelf, but they are not heated. They're passively heated by your printer. I'm working on a solution that is actively heated because I believe that is what is keeping a lot of printers like Prusa's, like Raises, like Ultimakers from exceeding 300 centigrade because ultimately most of the materials above 300 C need actively heated chambers and they need them to be very hot. Um, you know, if you can get above 100 C in a chamber and you can get above 400 C on your nozzle, you can print anything any material out there but yeah it's uh kind of crazy kind of crazy to say the least um so what kind of limitations do you see in this platform with with the nozzle specifically so we know we know from working with diamond uh over the years Diamond will turn back to graphite at 700 C, about 700 C. If you don't, if you don't leach the cobalt out of it, is that is that? I'm I'm looking at you two, Rod and Harris, to correct me if I'm wrong. But 700 C is, is a limitation for the diamond itself. Now, that's pretty pretty high temperature if you're if you've got a whole entire diamond nozzle, right? That's that's really good. But it's going to be the probably the material that you're working with right. as far as temperature windows. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things we really like about diamond is it doesn't have a lot of limitations. It, you know, it's, there's, there's not a lot of issues that we're going to run into as far as wear goes abrasion. It's, it's going to be just fine. Um, I don't know. Do you guys see any limitations? Uh, probably, probably speed as far as how fast we can get them out. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say one concern I've heard is just the brittleness and breakage. Like, oh, this is going to just break, you know, crash in your bed, kiss that nozzle goodbye, right? But while, while diamond is brittle, the polycrystalline structure makes it pretty tough, right? Think, yeah. Think about it. This is the same type of diamond that's being used to drill in these drilling applications and, and hitting, hitting impact as it's drilling. So, yes, while it's brittle, a brittle material, but this is it's a tough material at the same time. If you If you happen to you know, have the wrong Z offset in and hit your bed. I'm worried more about your bed than I am about the nozzle. Yeah. And that's funny because Creality Printers, and I routinely mispronounce it, but it's called Carborundum. It's Latin, I learned. Um, and uh, basically that Carborundum bed is silicon carbide. It's sandpaper stuck to glass. And routinely people will take their nozzles and drag them across the bed. I'm like, well, there goes your nozzle. Oh no, it's fine. It still prints good. It is stringing a little bit. It's probably wet filament. It's not wet filament. You've probably dragged your nozzle across your bed because your bed is made of sandpaper. I, I, I it doesn't. I, I don't get mad. I just certain things about this industry piss me off, like the the fact that everybody when they have printer problems always use white filament so it's impossible to see the problem. They blame wet filament for the fact they don't know how to. Uh, you know, calibrate retraction, uh, you know, it, and I'll tell you when I was running all my temp towers for, uh, for the diamond nozzle, 
I posted photos of it. And the first thing that I got back was, oh, you have wet filament. No, I don't. The temps are too high. But you're running PETG. It's stringing at 230. Yes, that's correct. My temps are too high. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, Grant, it's funny. We, we've we actually discussed even this week about putting in a little insert into our Diamondback box that just highlights that you need a lower temperatures. It, we it, there's a there's a few things even even we could talk about retraction right uh, um, back pressures oh, are, yeah. are lower you know there's a few things because of the thermal conductivity of diamond that you know it's once once you dial it in I shouldn't say dial it in it's easier I think it's easier to dial in just with the standard settings but there are it, it, people aren't used to going that low. And, and we need a, we need a sign that says it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would agree. I think some sort of, or, or even if there's like a QR code that takes you to the site and then there's a whole explanation of it. And if they don't scan the QR code, they didn't read the damn manual and it's not your problem. <laughs> um, but I, you know, the, the, the thing that I would love to see, and it's because I think it's hilarious is that the diamond nozzle comes on a ring. Yeah. Because if Amber was not out of town at the time that I filmed those two videos, we would have done a bit where I was going to propose to her inside of the box was going to be a ring with the nozzle on it. And and, and I did that for some B-roll. I, I made a ring that fit, that fit my finger and screwed the nozzle into it. I just think that would be funny. And I do like the packaging, right? And even, even the packaging is nice. It, it's this, um, for those that don't know, it is, it's, um, it's, it's aluminum and then a laser engraved. Is it glass? I don't know if this is it glass. Is glass. Yep. yep. It's glass. So it's a laser engraved glass. And for those that have ever laser engraved glass, that's a pain in the ass. Um, or they might be cheating and using a, uh, uh, oh, what, what's the term? Like a, like a shot blasting system and a, and a vinyl sticker. But the nozzle, the, the case is able to hold quite a few nozzles. So you're able not just to store spare Diamondback nozzles, you can store the nozzles you take off of your printers. And hilariously, that's pretty damn valuable on its own. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. We're glad you like it. We, yeah. we figured we figured that you know once you put a diamond back on you won't have to you don't have to mess with the other nozzles you can just you can just lay them around and put them in that little box that'll be great it, it is true I, I I don't find myself wondering should I put a different nozzle on this printer other yeah. than other than see this this is this is what I would love to see come out of you guys but I don't know if you can legally see that this gets back into our talk about IP CHT nozzles. So in here, I'll see if the camera can focus to it, is a nozzle for a 1.75 millimeter printer that has an orifice of 1.8. But because there are effectively knives in there that split the filament into three pieces, you can get more thermal mass into it and you can actually extrude 1.75 millimeter filament out of a 1.8 millimeter diameter nozzle. This is the Bontech CHT. They are working on a hardened steel version because, oh my gosh, everyone wants those. Because even the 0.4, and uh, where's my 0.4? This is the 0.4. And this is Filament Story sent these over when they saw the, the video about your nozzles. They wanted me to test these. Um, she's, a, she's a friend, former podcast guest. But the thing with the CHT nozzles is it basically doubles your flow. You can run your same temps, but you're able to run faster because it's splitting up the filament more 
um, surface area that's contacting the heat. So having something like that where you would be able to print faster, I think, is pretty valuable. But I do already believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that these nozzles do have higher flow characteristics than stock. Is that accurate? That's true. Yep. Yeah. Have you tested how much higher? We haven't, we haven't put data to that at this point. Um, I mean, probably in your testing, you've seen it. It's a combination of, of the geometry, the uh -huh. actual geometry, internal geometry of, of the nozzle, and then again, material properties of, of the diamond. You know, I, want, I know we keep hitting on thermal, thermal conductivity. One thing to think about is right at the tip, that's right where the, the material's coming out, and it's the furthest point from your heater. And so you've got right. energy, energy being drawn out on a standard nozzle, and so your tip can get gets colder. But with that diamond, it's easy to replenish that, that energy, keep the tip at temperature, and so you can maintain the higher flow rates, higher speeds as well. You know, we talk about dropping temperature. One thing to keep in mind is, well, maybe you don't drop your temperature and you up your speed. Now there's going to be some limitations of, of the mm -hmm. physical system, the mechanics of the, of the printer. Can it, can it accommodate those higher speeds? But that is an alternative, too, is, is upping, those, upping that essentially flow rate and speed of, of the printer if it can accommodate them. Makes sense. Normally, if you're able to lower your temps, that means you can run faster at the same temps you were running at, but you just have to run a little bit extra retraction. And yeah, I know that we're touching a lot on the thermal conductivity, but I happen to believe that is one of the game changers about it. Yeah, it's diamond. Love that. Love the fact that it's basically never going to wear out. But the fact that you can run your materials colder, to me, from a business standpoint, is way more valuable. One, it heats up my room less. <laughs> um, two it means that I can get better consistency and I'm actually thoroughly heating the polymers. Something that I found out when printing polycarbonate with the nozzle is that it warps considerably less. Literally put polycarbonate in the Prusa right next to it. Moved the SD card. Literally the same SD card. I had massive problems. I, of course, I upped the temperature manually, but I had massive problems because it was warping basically instantly and all the printers are set i know how to set my bed levels we're fine um but i found that maybe it's because we're better heating that material all the way through that the polycarbonate was printing more effectively don't know the, these are all things that i would love to see and aj royal in the comments is saying it would be neat to see a thermal imaging of the diamondback nozzle tip versus brass steel ruby and see how fast it heats up and what temp it stays while printing That'd be really cool. I'm just not certain FLIR has a camera pinpoint accurate enough to do that kind of thing. And other than somehow like gluing a thermistor to the side of it, I'm not exactly certain there's an easy way to measure that. Do you guys think there might be? Well, we it, it it's funny. And you, Harris, Rod, feel free to jump in as far as if there's if there's something technical. I was thinking about when we went to the Rapid Show um, just recently, and we we actually took a little bit of like a science experiment type uh, okay. viewpoint. Our booth, we basically set up and we had ice at, at the booth, right? And it was like a science fair. Oh, because right? it's thermally you, conductive. It's thermally conductive. Right. So, you, so what, what you can do, and, and we, had, we had those discs and actually brought it down and said, hey, go ahead and see if, you know, it's, yes, the, num the numbers aren't there, but you can, you can actively feel um, the, the change in, in, in that, um, 
that, that thermal transfer of uh, it's basically your the heat from your body going into the into the ice um, I don't know. Melt through the ice quite a bit faster too. It right? does. Okay. It absolutely does. I mean, you can, it's, it's funny. Most people, when they grab it, we did an ice sculpture once with it for another business. And we actually had diamond discs and you were drawing your initials in the ice sculpture. And there, it was, it was phenomenal. People, people were like, Hey, you need to make uh, like ice sculpture picks and we're like no we just want you to see it's such a niche market (laughs) you'd sell like a hundred of them a year seriously half of them would be to people that have no idea how to use it anyways (laughs) but 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 the folks that were there they're like this is really cool this is i'm like yeah anyway that's the difference between b2b and b2c marketing (laughs) yeah yeah there, there you go rod harris is there any other way that you 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 know how to um we're actually we're actually uh, trying to do a test right now with thermal couples and putting it on the discs, but uh, we're kind of focusing our, our focus on more design work for uh, new nozzles and, you know, for different printers. So we're kind of focusing on that versus a little bit more testing, right? Yeah. On that. Have you ever made an ice cream scoop with it? Because <laughs> AJ say make an ice cream scoop. I would actually buy that. I would love to see a di- <laughs> Just put the Louis Vuitton logo on the side of it, license it out to Louis or Gucci or someone. I hear you. I hear you. No, it's funny. I don't know. See, my kids are a little bit older and Harris and and Rod, they still got younger kids. Every one of my science fairs for the last uh, 10 years have been about some material property of diamond, whether we're, we're melting something, uh, you're cutting that something. family. Oh, oh yeah. Seriously. We're, we, we are absolutely recycling diamond. They're like, how does this kid know? Well, you know, my dad does this and here's some diamond. You, you, you want to hold some recycled diamonds? Yep, exactly. Exactly. Now, yeah, how are you sourcing these diamonds? Are, are you, is this like industrial diamonds? Is it, are they coming out of mines? How are these diamonds being sourced to start this process from the beginning? Yeah. Great question. Um, so, we used to, for, back in 1978, when we first started, we were actually making diamond. Okay. All you have to have is some carbon, carbon material. And and put it, exactly. Put it under heat and pressure and you get diamond grains. Yeah. In fact, in, 19, in the 1950s, um, General Electric actually discovered how to make diamond. Diamond is, an, is a relatively young material when you compare it to other, other materials that have right. been around for thousands of years. But... So in 78, we were making diamond grit that wasn't even in the oil and gas industry. It was used in the machining and, and milling industry. And we actually had oil and gas customers come to us and say, hey, we think you could do some things as, as you, you center it. So to answer your question, we used to make it. We, we made it originally. Uh, but the, the price of just the, the diamond grains there's, there, there wasn't a huge market for it. So it's easier to buy diamond grains now from all, all over the world. There's, there's diamond, man-made diamond. We don't typically deal with um, natural diamonds that have been mined just because you don't get the consistency that we need. We're looking at consistency, repeatability. Um, so we're getting man-made diamond um, in, in that powder form from different companies all over the world. And then we process it at our facility Okay. Uh, to take it, to center it to, to that um, solid diamond structure. 
Makes sense. And then, and then I'd add, add on top of that, Mark, you know, now that we, now you have the diamond, every other component in this nozzle is produced uh, in Utah and produced here. So the brass and then the assembly portion of it uh, happens at the same, at our same facility here. So. That, that's pretty cool. Like that, the, for those that don't know, vertical integration is the new favorite you know, term because supply chain just pisses everybody off these days. Um, and Bruce is obviously famous for doing it in the 3D printing industry where they have brought in their own lines to produce circuit boards because that is a massive problem. To see that you guys are also vertically integrating that process, one, allows you to control your, your, um, your, your quality, two, it lets you control your cost. Yeah. But three, it means that you, unless your raw materials is difficult to come by, you basically control every aspect of the process, enabling quality control second to none. It's why we buy Prusas. It's why I really like these nozzles. Um, I am, I'm going to be curious because I'm going to put it up to the test. Um, specifically, once the volcanoes come out, I'm going to put a volcano on our Fusion 3. We print a lot of carbon fiber nylon, a lot and I have burned through my fair share of E3D hardened steel nozzles. Um, the That printer is under warranty for another three months. Once that warranty's up, we're going to have some fun with it. But they warranty um, even nozzle clogs and nozzle wear uh, for two years. So I've burned through three separate regular hardened steel nozzles. Not the nozzle X's but the regular hardened steel nozzles um, over the years, just because we print like three or four kilos of carbon fiber nylon a month on those machines. Um, and it's something that I would like to see more beneficial because I agree with Harris. It is a very complicated process to change out nozzles on machines like this. So slice machines, those are one-handed. Of course, the E3D Revo, that's one-handed, but the Revo is protected under patents. That would be cool. I can ha happy to get you guys in contact with E3D. Have those connections I'm happy to make for you to see a Revo Diamond Edition where it's got a diamond nozzle. But that whole nozzle system is quite complicated. Yeah. Um, but j just seeing what's possible out there, to me, this breathes more life into the V6, which is a five-year-old, six-year-old platform at this point. Um, so your, your global sustainability is the fact that you're even building the diamonds in house. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah. We we're, it's all in our facility at, at uh, in, in Utah. And we love the idea. We, we would love the idea of being the, the diamond inside of every nozzle, right? The Intel inside idea. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and we've got engineering teams to, to be able to, to do that. So we'll, we'll see how this, how the, how the market goes as we introduce this, but so far it's been really, really fun. And, you know, it's it's super exciting to learn about a new type of, of industry. <laughs> we're not we're not you know we we're we are bullish on the three D printing additive manufacturing industry. We think that the future is is super bright and and I agree with you. You know, it's a lot of times people talk about the price of our nozzles and and we agree, right? If you're just starting out, that may be a, a oh, big yeah. step. It's way too expensive for first timers. Well, but everybody's going to, hey, where is the market going? What's next? Where are we going? And, and we think we can play in that, right? As we okay. look at different filaments. And so, yeah, it's, it, it, we're, we're, we're hopefully in it for the long haul as we, as we 
introduce this and appreciate you helping us introduce it. Yeah. Any way that, that we can assist here at 3D Musketeers, I'm more than happy to help. And, you know, we'll film videos for it. And then when we can publicly talk about it, we release some that, that that's always fun. Um, cause I've been asked, huh? Oh, sorry. Mark just hit on price, price one more time there. I wanted to, to share this with you is we've actually got a promo code running for this podcast. Oh, so that, that promo code is 10 musketeers. So the tens for 10% off. Okay. So 10 musketeers. If you go to Amazon and use that promo, all caps. Uh, yep. Okay. And it will go live. It will go live in an hour and it will go through the end of the month. Okay. Yeah. So, so we got, we got, we put something together here for the I appreciate it. Get it together. Yeah. We, we could do 10 musketeers or, or 10 Tommy boy, whatever, whatever works. For you. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually nice. my birthday today. It's maybe we're celebrating my birthday. So I didn't know this was on your birthday. Good Lord. We could have scheduled it for another day. <laughs> No way. I thought, how would I want to celebrate my birthday? Oh, I want to talk to Grant on a podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, all right. So once the podcast ends through the end of the month. Yep. Awesome. Well, I know some people that are going to be picking up some. So that's uh, that, that's pretty awesome. Thank you guys for that. Um, and, you know, it <sighs> pricing is a tough one. Um, but I think it's okay, right? It, it, it makes sense. You can't you can't compete price wise with the hardened steel nozzle. It doesn't make sense. This is a premium product and deserves a premium price. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, Grant. Let me share a, a, just a quick story, if you don't mind. Uh, so, in in some of our other industries, we have a we have a this diamond bearing technology. And we had some customers coming to us that had chemical mixtures and they were losing their foot bearing every 120 days. It was actually destroying it. Whoa. And they, they said, okay, well, let's put a diamond bearing in. Well, the diamond bearings has, has lasted for nine years. Well, if we're, the, if we're the same price as the foot bearing that lasted for 120 days, you know, our, it, it, it just doesn't make sense, right? That total cost of ownership. Um, and we're still discovering. We don't have stories about our nozzle running for... 10 years because we've only had it going we've only made it for a year a year and a half so you know we've we've, we've got to prove that out that's why we can't make those claims yet right but in other industries we absolutely can yeah there's really no good way to test this without spending tens of thousands of hours and tens of thousands of dollars on filament yeah. you literally yeah. just have to run carbon fiber nylon through this for for, for months on end straight um, yeah. I don't know if there's ways that you can run like, so Mark Forge is of course known for their continuous carbon fiber, which is where they lay carbon fiber monofilament into the print as it's printing. That That's their big patentable thing. If you could run a similar carbon fiber monofilament through the diamond nozzle for, you can just put it on a big loop and have it run yeah. for a month. And that simulates X amount of wear. It would be cool to see if but probably more likely when you'll get where. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. No yeah. Doubt. Nine years is pretty insane. <laughs> I, I, I would guess that uh, the answer for 3d printing is never. Yeah. You, <laughs> you will likely damage the nozzle some other way before you need to replace it. You'll probably yeah. damage it by over tightening it in the brass threads strip out or something stupid before I'll, I'll you end up doing that i'll say this if you wear one out 
just their normal wear running carbon fiber filament. I want it back. We'll get you a new one. I want it back. I want to see it. I want to learn from it because I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen. <laughs> Sanjay said the same thing. He said, if anybody ever has a failed nozzle X because of wear, send it back. We want to see it. We want to test it. Um, we have Stephen Thomas said he joined in late, but he's wondering if there will be a 0.3 or a 0.25 millimeter nozzle in the future. So I've got here with me. Oh, There's more than three there you can see. So we have a 0.25 that's coming out as well as a 1.0. So, oh. so like, like, like Rod said, our focus has been a little more on product expansion, you know, more offerings and not only a V6 compatible and volcano compatible, but beyond that as well. So that's a lot of our efforts are around that at the moment. And so you, I mean, within, within the next month, those will be live on Amazon. I'm very excited for that. Cause let me interject a little bit on the 0.25. Okay. Because we had some questions on that. Like, okay, why a diamond for 0.25, right? You're going to run an abrasive filament, you know, chop carbon fiber filament, and you're just going to plug it. Well, yeah, yeah you are, yeah. you know, the orifice is the orifice size. And if you're trying to push something larger than it through it, it's going to clog. Um, but it, why we did the 0.25 is, you know, I personally had ran a 0.25 nozzle. It had been like two, three years ago. And it clogged up. It clogged up. So I took the thing off and just reverted back to my 0.4 and didn't run it anymore. We thought, hey, let's make one with our, that internal geometry that we have with the, the uh, coefficient of friction of the diamond. Well, let's try it. And uh, so we produced one. We saw great results. We sent out to the nozzle to some beta testers. And we've been super impressed with what they've been producing with them. Just the fine detail, uh, you know, that la the reduced clogging. Uh, due to due to the diamond nozzle, and you'll get the wear properties too. It's not going to wear out if you do glow in the dark. It might have those smaller particulates that you could print with. And so, you know, we, we got to definitely be cautious with that 0.25, but don't try yeah. and run your chopped carbon fiber uh, nylon through it. Uh, but we do feel that you know that the diamond will provide some value and benefit even with those those smaller size of that smaller orifice. That's something to think about, right? Because a lot of the, even like, especially the good chopped carbon fiber. I am a 3DX tech fanboy. Matt is a is a close friend. Although I don't know what's happening now that they've been bought. We'll see. But you know, I've I've used their H2 nozzles for years on our printers. They're they're tool steel and they run well. I have no issues with them. Um, but I run their exotics. So our exotics basically are 100% from 3DX Tech. And I think they have some of the best carbon fiber on the market. Um, and that has always been my concern. It's why when um, when my when my buddy sent me the nozzle, he said, test carbon fiber. I want to see if it clogs. And I'm wondering, and we have a couple of people asking about this too, is it somehow aligning those carbon fibers as it goes through to keep it from clogging the nozzle? Is there some special geometry that's occurring to create that where you're not really clogging a 0.25? Because, oh, that scares me to even want to run carbon fiber through a 0.25 or glass fiber even. Right. Yeah, I, I like I said, if you, if you put in chop, chop fibers to that 0.25, there's going to be a propensity for clogging. Like I said, just the... The geometric size of that that orifice is 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 there, um, but like I said, there may be some other abrasive um, materials such as glow in the dark or you know you're just your white white colored where uh, you get the wear wear benefits. But yeah, we're 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 
we got to do additional testing. And you know what we'd probably like to do is make you know this this filament's been tested and worked because uh, there's quality control of the filament too, right? You know what what's going into that filament, and that will have an impact on whether whether nozzles clog or not. So it's why we try to buy American when we can. Um, I've been playing around with Polymaker filament. Um, the owner of Polymaker is really active in the community. I said, all right, let me give him a shot. And recently we did some, what I thought was wood fill, but apparently they don't make wood fill, but this, it looks just like a wood fill plastic to me. And it printed like it too. It's stringing like crazy, but apparently it's because it was a low density PLA and it was foaming and I didn't realize it. Um, you know, everyone screws up every now and then, but yeah, we, for the most part, we print with printed solid who recently was bought by Prusa research, but they're still going to be producing their own line of Jesse filaments. Um, I think it's very consistent. We've had only one issue in well over a hundred spools where I actually had wet filament. It was actually wet. And I can prove it because I still have the part that was wet can actually see the uh what'll look like rice krispies little little bubbles oh, yeah. and dots yeah. and it sounded just like it when it was printing yes this is a very large part um this is about 16 and a half inches long petg too uh. but yeah that's the kind of stuff that what what wet filament actually is and there are systems out there to dry it i didn't realize it was wet until it was way too late um but th this is always interesting to me about the tech itself and do you think that playing in this nozzle industry, seeing that you can do pretty small orifices with diamond, is this opening up other doors that you didn't think would necessarily be open because of this, you know, finding with the 3D printing industry? What would you say? Well, I, I, I don't, I don't know if we've, <laughs> a lot of, I'd like to say that um, we have really focused on, hey, this is exactly how we're going to roll everything out, Grant. But it, but it hasn't. It, we've pivoted as we've listened to customers. Like, for example, we, we were having fun with the, the nozzle tip as far as engraving the, the point four or, or you know, put it, putting in all those Easter eggs. Well, we heard that it was difficult to see the, the four. So we changed. And so you'll see on the, on the new ones, I, like the ones you have, I don't know if on the original one you had, you actually had it engraved in the brass, the, the size of the nozzle. I think it wasn't. It was also on the nozzle itself. Just so you know, our first ones, it wasn't. And so we were listening to the industry. And so in, in some ways we're, we're listening and reacting. And I think that's good. That's a positive thing. Um, we, we do have I think these guys always wanted to go to a, a 0.25 and you always want to do a, a 1.0. And then we've always wanted to do a volcano compatible. Yeah. And then the industry keeps telling us high temperature, high temperature, you need to do a high temperature. And, and so we're kind of reacting that way. I, I, I don't know. That's a, that's kind of a, a weak answer to your question, but it, that's, that's how we've rolled really. But that's what business development looks like, right? You're, you're listening to your customers and you're transitioning what you're doing to meet their needs. Uh, spoiler alert for those that don't know, that's how companies should operate. <laughs> Ones that say you adapt to us or you go buy from somebody else are companies you don't hear about. Caveat, Apple is one of them. Um, <laughs> Apple says, don't like the new iPhone? 
don't buy it. We don't give a damn. There'll be 15 of you to replace you. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I would love to see, you know, crazy stuff printed or made with PCD. Um, I, I don't know how much of the channel you guys are aware of, but I suffer from a back injury. I have two herniated discs. So it doesn't hurt here or here, but it's right here is where it hurts. Um, you know, to, we'll leave that one alone. That's a Tommy Boy reference for the two by four behind me. But um, I would love to see the ability to have diamond parts for humans. Is it yeah. something that could be ISO 1345 certified, which is the process for internal biocompatibility? Yep. Yep. No, actually, you're absolutely going down the right path. We we have done some projects and and worked with some groups that actually have spun out and and done some things. Uh, one of them is a company called Dymacron um, that were they were looking at hip joints. Yep. And then they were looking at um, uh, do, are, do you guys remember if it was it, it, it was something to do with the vertebrae? It, it was. I'd have to I'd have to go back and look it's at probably what they the main surfaces. It, yeah, it, they ran into some hurdles just with um, the the. I don't even know the, the, the body that, that would determine whether you can put it in a, in a body, put, put diamond in a body. It would have to be in, in, in with different materials, biocompatible. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going down a rat hole that I probably shouldn't, but we did, we did work with this group a, a while ago. And I know that they're still in existence. Um, we, we haven't, we have, we've stayed in more of the industrial side, more the, the wear parts. This is the first time we've stepped out to, a, I think I mentioned a consumer market, right? Uh, mostly it's finding wear materials in, in, in industrial applications, but I think there's tons of medical device, you know, materials that would be benefit. The other place that I see, and this would be interesting to see if it's possible is aerospace. So yeah. 3D printing has kind of revolutionized the way that rocket engines are made. Uh, a good friend of mine, SJ, they kind of wrote the book on printing an in-canal, right? And so you'll use high-powered lasers with a high heat chamber, and you'll selectively center it. Um, normally, LPBF, layer powder bed fusion, DMLS, direct metal laser sintering, one of those few things. They are, of course, now working with uh, Velo 3D for that big Velo energy, because uh, I can say that because it's fun. Um, do you think it's possible to basically take that PCD as a powder form and print it for aerospace applications, things like nozzles or you know tips for rockets for reentry? Because of course, thermal conductivity matters a ton. Um, I, I, I just think there's so many applications. I just don't know what the limitations of the tech are. Yeah, for, for us specifically, we, we absolutely have these kind of conversations all the time. Our business development group, it, honest, honestly, it's like a kid in a candy store. It's, yeah. it's, so, it's fun. It's really fun. The limitations for us is the size of the, of the diamond. Those cubic presses that we showed you in that example earlier in, in the podcast um, have some dimensional um, limitations as far as how big we can make that piece. That makes so sense. like, for example, in a diamond bearing, we're, we're putting diamond pads in a, in a, in a, a circular ring, but they're, they're pads. I don't know. What's, what's the biggest we can make Harris, as far as like a cut? Roughly an inch diameter. 
four. Whoa. I got I got in trouble. I got in trouble for talking in inches last time. So twenty five point four millimeter diameter. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, and then roughly an inch tall. I mean, that's kind of a general size. Wait, wait. So yeah, this that's... is a nine foot diameter machine that can only make something that's an inch square. Yeah. Well, think about yeah. it. You're, you're compounding it down to uh, like like Mark said, over a million psi on that that cube that goes in. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And so in, in order for us to talk bigger dimensions, we're going to either have to segment it or or uh, put it put it in some kind of a pattern. Um, and another thing to keep in mind, wherever you have diamond. So even even if it was in your back, right, Grant, if you, if you had diamond, you had to have diamond on mating surfaces. Right. It, it can't it can't. And and also in a machined environment, if you have diamond that's mating on a, a metal, uh, all you're doing is machining the metal. Because diamond will just grind it down. You you have to have diamond on diamond um, to be able to actually, you know, the the thing. So Kasap is talking about uh, space application. He's saying it's hard to grease apart in space. Yeah, that's true. Low friction interfaces are very ideal. So if yeah. you did make some sort of a PCD bearing designed for a solar sail on a on a spacecraft, I mean that would that would be pretty much game changing yeah. in terms of low friction application, especially for something like that would go on the ISS or. You know, a, a, an unfurling of a spacecraft ain't really only going to do that once. It's really only got to work once. But something that needs to be moved often, um, yeah. like a mechanical arm that, yeah, you can't just hop out of the space station and go, you know, uh, put a grease zerk and just pump a little <laughs> bit of grease into it every couple hundred hours. You know, that's just yeah. not something. And let's be real. People don't do that on Earth. They're not going to do that in space either. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. That's right. No, you know, he's, he's really, it's, it's, it's really true. If you can have diamond mating, mating parts and you can keep those parts cool. So diamond will degrade the, even though the coefficient of friction is super low, mm -hmm. it's still, it's still a friction generating yeah. heat, heat generating. And unless there's a way to dissipate that heat, um, that's, that's why an underwater application or, I, you know, a, an application where you can control the, the temperatures, uh, is is ideal because you can you can pull the heat away as the diamond Being liquid cooled yeah it, it, yeah uh, so I I we're we're bull I'm bullish on our diamond bearing business as well I think it's it's unique technology it's it's a little bit of a game changer um, it's it's being you know proven in an underwater environment to be really really helpful um, really useful and 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 frankly it gets away from you know. The, the problem with, with greasing a bearing is I don't care what you have in the bearing. If As soon as that bearing seal, the seal on the bearing fails, the bearing is, is toast. It's ruined. It's, yep. it's done. Yep. Um, so it's unique that you can have a bearing material that you actually remove the seals, right? You actually eliminate that. And we've put them in under like river waters that have like sand and gravel and granite. Well, of course, diamond's just going to grind that up. It's not... We had we had one customer that was using this hydrokinetic tool. They threw sand and gravel at it to see if it would run better. All it did was polish the diamond, and it and it was quieter. They, they're like, it runs better now that I've run sand through it. <laughs> that, uh, that's the testimonial, right? That's on the website. We wanted to see what would happen, so we ran sand through it. Exactly, it polished it. <laughs> it polished it. Yeah, no, it's it's hilarious. It's 
it's it's fun that would be the you know like it, i've saw blades that have tungsten carbide teeth on it seeing a pcd teeth on a saw blade would be cool um ben e brady is asking what challenges have you encountered in addressing a consumer market as opposed to the industrial market you've been used to oh that's a great question that's can i answer question. this one guy Oh, I've got, I've got, you guys are going to laugh here. I, I, I hope Harris and Rod are both laughing because, so one of the challenges is how we deliver it, right? How we deliver the parts. We're used to delivering trays of diamond parts. Well, this one, you know, it's in a, it's in a, a box and we thought, oh, we're really good with supply chain as far as, yeah. So we're really good at supply chain issues as far as getting the right material at the right time and getting it to customers. And we were perfect at that. It was the business uh, development and marketing side, me, who looked at boxes and I'm like, oh yeah, we can just get boxes. And, and I've got box manufacturers coming back saying, no, that's going to take this many weeks. Well, the, as, we've, as we've sold, we've gone through enough boxes that we're like, okay, our, our supply chain issues are with boxes, not with the material. Who would have ever thought that? And so we we overcame that in in some places by making our own boxes we did this for a limited run we made we started making our own boxes we're meeting in the parking lot of the smith's food king <laughs> passing it from one person to another say hey you you do this process to make the boxes anyway we're we're over that but that's something we didn't see we we were not used to the the consumable side of of selling should you decide you're looking for a new box manufacturer, we do a lot of work for a local manufacturer that does a lot of plastic. They do food packaging. Uh, so I'm happy to connect you should should you guys Perfect. want to do that. They do all the packaging. <laughs> Their claim to fame is they do all the packaging for Mr. Beast Burger. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, you know, crazy weird YouTuber pop-up shops and they do all the packaging for it. Um, th that is That is a funny one. See, to me, the difference between our industrial clients and our consumer clients is how often my phone rings. The consumer clients want to talk to me for hours. The industrial clients are like, here's the CAD file, print it. When it's done, ship it. Here's the credit card, charge it. Okay, thanks. We're going back to work now. The consumers want to talk. They want to learn. Industrial could not care less. Is all your specs right? Yep. Your tolerances are right? Yep. You, you can validate that? Yes, I can. Cool. We'll take this many, send them here, get, get it here by this date. Here's the purchase order. Take care. Yeah. Consumers, yeah. so can you tell us how the technology works? How is 3D printing functional? Spoiler alert, that's actually why we started the YouTube channel, because I answer the same questions all the damn time. And I can just say, oh, we have a whole video all about what 3D printing is. Go watch it. It's an hour long. And then they would come back and still ask the same questions. You didn't watch the video. Um, now I can say we have a YouTube channel and there's more to it than that. We have cool companies that make diamonds as guests. <laughs> Never thought we would be there. Um, Kasap is wondering, what is the coefficient of thermal expansion on this? I actually have a have that chart. Let's see if I've got it. Because do you, unless, unless you geniuses know exactly what it is right there. If you, I don't want to misspeak. So if you've got, got it, that's that's what I have. You guys tell me if it's yep. right or wrong. There we go. Yeah, that that that's very little. Yeah. <laughs> Is that measure? It's measured in microns, or what's it measured in? 
So, so that's a factor. Uh, let's see here. Or is it a factor of thermal? It's a factor per per uh, per degree Kelvin, right? Okay. Okay. He's saying, I do love me some charts. So I, 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 I think we're hitting the right target market there. We, we, we can help you. We can, this is, this is like eye candy at our facility. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, we talked about this prior to coming live that one of the things we're going to be doing here on the channel is challenging manufacturers and the claims that they make challenging specifically the 3d scanner manufacturers to their accuracy claims, because I'm sorry, but the CR scan lizard at $400 or $600 retail is not going to meet or exceed my $20,000 Artec Eva. And yet they have exactly copied the specs of it. I can promise you. And you know what? If I'm wrong, it's going to put Artec out of business, right? Like instantly, because who the hell would spend 20 grand when 600 or even a thousand gets the job done? We want to hold manufacturers accountable. Artec claims that their scanners can hit 0.1 millimeter accuracy. I've never gotten better than 0.15 out of it. And that extra 50 microns, when you're expecting X and you're getting Y, is not good. Another great example, they say that a computer with the specs that we're running, 37, a Ryzen 3750H and a GTX 1650, should get two to three frames per second on an Artec Eva. It gets 15. The Eva Max is at 16, so it's very close to its max. I would love to know that. They're wrong in a good way. But no one no one talks about this. We want to change that. And the charts, of course, are always tough to trust, right? Yeah. Knowing what your industry is, I have a much higher chance of trusting you guys than I would, I don't know, some random company that comes out with a competitor diamond nozzle that has no experience in it, right? You guys have yeah. clearly done your math, done your research, and done your testing, whereas a lot of other companies haven't. So there's value to that that exists. Well, thanks, Grant. And one, one thing I will say is, you know, we're, we're I don't want to say we're our worst critics because there, there's kind of a problem solving culture at, at our company mm -hmm. where we've got engineers looking at some of the work that we're doing saying, hey, how can I help? Can I help you clarify? And we can test that. So, for example, like the, the chart I just pulled up and I think it was Rod, didn't you? you? You talked about we have tungsten on there. What we're meaning is tungsten carbide, cemented tungsten carbide. That's right. what we mean by that. But there are different types of tungsten, right? Mm -hmm. So um, in some ways, it's our own engineers coming back and saying, hey, we ought to, we ought to adjust that to be more accurate. So we're going to make some changes even on our chart to say, hey, that's just so you know, this is what we're actually talking about because there's there's some there's some room that's why even even when we talk about diamond right some people are like well diamond and polycrystalline diamond those are two separate things they right are. single single crystal and the material properties of single crystal is different than polycrystalline diamond and Can we so talk we talk about we, that real quick yeah you bet you bet or when you finish whatever you were getting to, yeah, the, I, I, the, I, I want I want to talk about that for sure. No, it, it's really it's really good. So I, I think the 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 point being is we're trying to check ourselves and be accurate um, because there's ways to misunderstand that. So we're not tr we're not trying to mislead if if somebody looked at the chart and said, well, tungsten is actually this and tungsten carbide is this. Uh, we 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 meant tungsten carbide. We'll go back and fix that. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and talk about single crystal and polycrystal. Okay. 
What would you like to know? <laughs> what are the differences? Uh, so I'm a layman, right? I my my knowledge does not extend to diamonds beyond what the diamond store tells me, and understanding that the entire diamond industry is basically uh, purely designed by De Beers, and the diamonds are yeah. not as rare as people say, and it's all a farce and this and that. That's my knowledge of diamonds. I don't know anything about the differences between polycrystalline and monocrystalline diamonds. So can we talk yep. about like yeah, for sure. why one over the other? Yeah, we'll, we'll even tell you a little bit of a story of, a, of, a, of another startup that we did internally at, at US Synthetic. It was a company called Suncrest Diamonds. Um, we, we, don't, we don't support it anywhere, but it, we ran it for about 15 years and it took single crystal diamond, single crystal diamond that had been mined from the earth and it has diamond, all diamond has a chemical structure. And with Suncrest, we actually took the chemical structure, we studied it. And if it had certain elements in it, we could change the color, putting it in our press technology, we could change the color of a diamond that you would put on a ring. So if it had uh, boron cool. in the chemical structure, yeah, I mean, it's really cool. If it had boron, it would change that single crystal diamond to a blue color. If it had nitrogen, it would change it to a yellow color. If it, the idea is it, putting it back into our press technology, it's like putting it in the earth for 10,000 more years. It would finish the diamond in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So I think Harris has touched on a little bit. A single crystal has a natural cleavage plane. That's, yeah. how, that's how diamonds are, are shaped. Polycrystalline doesn't have a, nat a, a natural cleavage plane. It's randomly oriented crystals um, that if, if you, you hit it on a cleavage plane, it may break off a crystal, but it's, it's not going to change the structure. So, uh, polycrystalline is going to be tougher than a single crystal. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it um, does. So you got those more things are connected to more things. Yeah. And, and I'll throw, I'll throw out just one more thing. Cause sometimes we get confused. People get confused when we start talking about uh, diamond. There's also diamond coating, like chemical yeah. vapor deposition, where you coat something uh, with with diamond. And I think a lot of times people get confused that maybe we're doing that, that it's a diamond coating. It's not a diamond coating. A diamond coating will ultimately wear off. Right. Um, ours, ours is a diamond, a crystalline structure substrate. It's a solid. Solid uh, chunk of diamond. How many carats? Solid chunk of diamond. Pardon? How many carats is it? Oh, good, good, good question. How, <laughs> have we measured that, guys, on this one? Is it like on the V6 version here, uh, the BV6 version, it's uh, I think it's like 0.15 carat diamond tip there. So, Grant, I, I think this is important that you do this in a ring and tell your wife that you gave her a 1.6 carat diamond. That's a big stone. No, he said 0. 0.16. Oh, 0.15. Yeah, oh, 0. 0.15. Okay. That's nothing. Okay. That's real we'll, tiny. We'll, we'll send you a disc that's, I think our disc is 22 carats. We'll send you a 22 carat <laughs> disc you can, just to play with. You can put it on a ring. I know she's listening, so I'm not going to say what I want to say. But I, I will message you. I have a plan. <laughs> and and so I'll just say, some help. You know, one of the funniest stories, I have to tell you, one of the funniest stories when we first started making diamond, there was a there was an, an old engineer that worked with us. His name was Robert Farr. He actually took a brass ring, just a standard brass ring, and glued some of the diamond crystals on it and took it home to his wife. It was, it's legendary. It's actually in our history book. It's it's awesome. Yeah, that I am the type of person that would make a joke like that. Yep. I'm the one that spent 
a fair bit of time trolling through printables to find a model of a ring that had an M6 thread. I couldn't find one, but I found one with a smooth bore. So I sized it to fit. And then I just used your nozzle to cut. Well, actually I didn't. I used a generic brass nozzle to cut threads. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill I'm not going to kill this expensive nozzle this way. So I cut the threads uh, with a generic brass nozzle and I screwed it in for the video. I bet. Oh yeah. I've got all the other prototypes that we had. So we had different prototypes of rings here. Oh, um, that's cool. I'm sure the real ring is somewhere over here, but. The side of my desk is a disaster because <laughs> we're busy. <laughs> and Mark, do you, have, awesome. do you have one of the diamond rings on? No, no, he does. He doesn't know about them, Harris. Do you have one on to show him? Oh yeah, I do. Sorry, you have okay, a PCD so diamond ring. We did. Can you see that? Can you see <laughs> yes. this? Yes, yes, I can. So we've we've inlaid. Um, this one is about twenty two carats. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we actually sold them. This is this is just us, Grant. I mean, we we are trying everything. We we sell them through. Uh, we worked with a, a group called Elysium Black Diamond. So you can go look. You can go look up Elysium Black Diamond. It's it, we we made the initial rings of Elysium Black Diamond that are that. I'll tell you one thing for party tricks to go somewhere and melt ice with your ring. It's, it's legendary. It's I really need one of those. I got, <laughs> I, I, I got to figure out if I can even afford it, but that is, that is so damn cool. I I'm sorry. That's like as a geek, right. You know, you see all the rings that are like the tungsten with the inlays of like dinosaur and meteorite. Those are cool. A 22 carat diamond <laughs> ring made with over a million PSI of pressure, you know, synthetically. So cool. So yeah. cool. And it looks yeah. freaking gorgeous. Yeah. It, it, full, full disclosure. I mean, obviously there's a gold inlay yeah. in this one as well. Just yeah, it's, anyway. a, it's a little pizzazz, right? You know, pizzazz. there you go. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Duff is asking, crazy idea, no idea if it would work. Would there be any beneficial applications to diamond embedded filament? I don't think there is, but other than really destroying nozzles. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you might actually find a way to destroy our nozzle. I mean, if you want to think about it, you could maybe, I'm just coming to my mind now, is, you know, make custom little grind wheels or something with it because the, the, the plastic would be essentially the matrix. Uh, you'd heat up. I mean, is you'd have to center away the plastic, though, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you run into the same problem you do with Virtual Foundry, which is dimensional accuracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a tough one. Um, would be cool just for the pure purpose of because we can. But yeah, running diamond filament through a diamond nozzle would destroy your diamond nozzle. Yeah, it's certainly. I, hold, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh damn it! <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna argue that. <clears throat> so I don't think it would destroy it. You know what it would actually do is it would polish. It would polish the internal bore. Now, is the wear rate going to be faster than just carbon fiber? Yes, but initially. So, so for example, with the bearings. Again, I, we haven't done this, so I don't have anything to go off of. But the bearings, when they rub on each other, they actually polish each other and get each other smoother to begin with. So, right. rubbing a diamond filament. It would actually smooth that bore even more. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I can hear your R and D department firing up the machines as we speak. No, seriously. 
Serious. But wouldn't it, Harris, wouldn't it eventually it would wear it out? Because like even in our drilling yeah. applications, oh, yeah. if you if you run it across abrasive environments for long enough, you'll start to, to have a wear flat, won't you? Where, where's going to happen, right? Yep. Where, where's going to happen? But that initial initial usage of it, it would it would polish it, right? It, it, it probably polish that internal geometry, the internal bore of the nozzle. Duff and, makes a good know, point. We got to try it. We gotta try it. <laughs> Duff makes a phenomenal point. Uh, it's probably going to destroy the extruder gears before it actually gets yeah, enough to destroy the nozzle. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And and don't don't give Rod another another <laughs> filament he needs to buy because I'm telling you right now the guys he's trying would to get make out that of in the house. It, it's only going to require a couple hundred thousand dollars of equipment. I'm sure it's fine to test out some harebrained idea from a random tiny YouTuber's podcast. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all for science. It's all for science. Yeah, science. exactly. There the you art go, of right. F around and find out, but we're going to write it down in the process. <laughs> oh, God, that, that would just be amazing. I just, man, I seeing the potential here. Right. I, I see we even have like a, a, a 2A thing. Could you make firearm barrels out of it? Yeah, you you probably could. You could do a lot of things with it. But is it yeah. worth the price? Yeah, um, it, the, the price is really going to be a limiter. And and also the, the dimensional size. Right. You, you got to go back to that and say, OK, well, it's not like you have a single big piece now that yeah. you machine down. It's it's we're going to have to we would have to really work on it. Are you able to machine it at all? Yeah. You just oh, have yeah, to use we, diamond cutters, right? Well, so in fact, I was down on the floor yesterday with, I was thinking about our lapping, uh, where, where we do some of our lapping. And uh, we, we use, we go through a lot of grinding wheels, right? We go through a lot of I can tons imagine. of grinding wheels. And, and we'll have, we, we actually have diamond embedded on the diamond wheels. So we're, it, you actually have to have that or, or yeah. we just were machining the wheel. Um, but yeah, we, we do it every day. We, we go, we machine down and lap the size of diamonds for some of our other applications. Um, dimensionally, you know, putting chamfers on, on some things. That's, uh, that's too cool. I'm going to next time in your area, which no, I've seriously. never been to Utah period. Um, I, I'm going to have to, come take a trip out there because that just it sounds like the kind of video that i'm not even focused on filming the video i'm focused on learning as much as i can and at the same time sharing it with other people and we're gonna end up having to blur out half the video anyways because there's all these you know <laughs> technical things that we can't show but to me this is what this industry is all about right 3d printing is about pushing the boundaries of what has been thought to be physically possible right the fact that you can take traditional manufacturing of something like uh, copper aluminum titanium tungsten and canal that you can normally mill on a five axis no problem and then be able to 3d print it and do things that traditional manufacturing is quite literally incapable of doing proves to me that we're pushing the boundaries and i think that yep this first kind of foray into this industry of the PCD diamond nozzles shows that there is so much more left, right? For a while, I've been not as bullish as I'd like to be with FDM. It, it is plateaued for me where not a lot has happened. Yes, we've got some printers that are faster. We can do multicolors, but I look at where is the money? The money is in Ultem or, you know, polyether imide it's in peak peck 
It's in the high temp stuff that the average consumer can't get a hold of. And when you see technology like this come out at a price set, while it's not cheap, it is plenty affordable, which I think is the key. It is affordable. It's not cheap. It's not supposed to be. And it enables somebody to take a literally sub thousand dollar 3D printer and have it quite literally compete with an $18,000 Mark Forge or now $22,000 Mark Forge. Yay, supply chains. It blows my mind. And in fact, I'm going to prove how good this is in an upcoming video. Um, I've got a friend and I will talk to you guys about this off stream. Uh, but I've got a friend with a really cool machine who's going to tell us how good these actually are. Um, there's so much, I think, out there that this industry has room to grow. And it involves companies like yours that are willing to think outside of the box of a problem that they've had for years and never thought the solution was standing in front of them the entire time. So <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. How long were you guys dealing with the standard nozzles before you decided, oh, wait a minute, we can actually make this. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, what what was it, Rod? I mean, Rod, this was prior, this was like in in, in Mike and Jacob's time, but it, I would say we were probably, we, we've had a 3D printing lab for how long? I don't, I don't even know. Like five years. Five yeah, years? Easily. Yeah. So probably five years of dealing with stuff and then finally right. came into that. 2020 is, you know, when we had the first first prototypes available so you know two two three years they probably dealt with it yep yep and well, and grant will will i want to re-emphasize we would love to have you come out we would take you on a tour you would have a great time i know i know you that you know it's it's difficult to travel a bit uh in traditional ways but man if you if you make it out this way we'd we'd love to to have you stop in next time next time i get out to the Midwest. We're absolutely going to do it. I, I do want to tour a lot of the big area additive manufacturing, the BAM community, which kind of sits in your area, the the, the Midwest, um, to kind of see printers that you can stand in um, and what those look like, what the kinematics look like. Because YouTubers have talked about it in the past, but very few of them have gotten into how are they able to do it in a way that still allows them to run, you know, certain speeds and that kind of stuff. Um, and of course, if there are any doors that I can open up for you guys in terms of getting OEMs to carry the nozzles, let me know. I'm more than happy to do that. That's, I don't have a lot, but connections with companies, something that I've built up throughout the years. And I think the more people that are able to see this, the more that will realize that it's not just the price. The price is what limits the people. But I think there's a good point there. Because this, you don't want this on your average everyday $200 printer because they, that person's not going to understand the benefit. As a business owner, the fact that I will basically never have to change the nozzle on this printer ever again is pretty damn cool. And I agree with AJ Royal. Vision Miner is probably a good company I can get you guys hooked up with. Uh, awesome. they're, they're the type of company that would carry something like this in retail at no problem. But any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? You know, I, the only, the only, I, I, I don't know. You guys, I, I talk too much. So Grant, uh, Harris, Rod, any, you know, any, we, any, any thoughts we, you want to share? Well, one thought's just come to my mind is, you know, the pro we want the product to speak for itself. I mean, we can sit and talk yeah. all day, but go, go, go look at the reviews on Amazon. Those are real reviews. We did not, they're not paid for that. Those are real users that bought them. 
and and voice their opinions on, on what they're seeing and what they're experiencing. So, and we're, we're looking at them, we're like, okay, what are they saying? Are they, are they having any issues? But we're, we're super optimistic with what we're hearing, what the customers are saying, and uh, excited to just keep, keep moving forward with this. Love it. Rod, anything from you? No, I think that's it. It's, it's mostly just getting the word out, right? We're such a new company that we're still, you know, we're still climbing this ladder. And obviously not a lot, not everybody knows about us, but we do want to be that number one on nozzles. Yeah. And, and the more people that are aware about us, uh, the better it's going to be for us. The, the better we're going to be able to, to develop new products for this. So I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Um, AJ says the one thing that we haven't talked about, and it's actually true, uh, that how much cleaner the nozzle stays and how much easier it is to clean it. Oh my gosh. I can take a brass wire brush and just clean it and not care. <laughs> it's not going to hurt the nozzle. That's right. That's right. Um, and uh, Kasap, I'll talk to you about what he does. I, I know who he is. He wants to talk to you about what he does as well. So I'll connect you guys. Um, awesome. But yeah, this has been... Uh, the Making Awesome Podcast Season 2, Episode 42, the Don't Panic Edition, because it's a it's a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference. Okay, we've made a bunch of really, like, <laughs> geeky references throughout the entire thing. Um, yeah, and then the 2x4 that's been sitting behind me. The I never have 2x4s in my videos. It's been there specifically for the Tommy Boy. It doesn't hurt here or here, but right here. No, your face is fine. Jesus, what happened to your face from the from the lady for the chicken, wing, uh, chicken wings uh, area? And I tell my staff all the time, when we, when we work on products that are Hail Mary, said it's not. We don't call it a Hail Mary. We call it a chicken wing, because at some point you got nothing to lose, and that that was the impetus of the movie. If you don't buy. None of you have seen Tommy Boy out there. People in the comments, go watch Tommy Boy. A lot of the jokes we made this episode will make a ton of sense. That's all we got for you guys today. Stay safe out there. Don't forget to call your loved ones. And as always, keep making awesome. Have a good one. Oh yeah, code Ten Musketeers for ten percent off. Hell yes. Through the end of the month. We'll see. You